Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon, uh, the day after Queen Elizabeth II passed away. Lots of speculation, of course, when we were on air yesterday on the show. We spoke about her situation and I think it didn't come as a surprise with all that was happening through the afternoon when her death was confirmed around tea time yesterday evening. I want to begin the show today by going back to those momentous days from the 17th to the 20th of May 2011 when Queen Elizabeth and uh, her husband visited Ireland, the first official state visit by a monarch. And here she is in Dublin Castle and an extract from that famous speech. Argus Akoida. Prince Philip and I are delighted to be here and to experience at first hand Ireland's world famous hospitality. Together we have much to celebrate the ties between our people, the shared values, and the economic, business, and cultural links that make us so much more than just neighbors, that make us firm friends and equal partners. Madam President, speaking here in Dublin Castle, it is impossible to ignore the weight of history, as it was yesterday when you and I laid wreaths at the Garden of Remembrance. Indeed, so much of this visit reminds us of the complexity of our history, its many layers and traditions, but also the importance of forbearance and conciliation, of being able to bow to the past, but not be bound by it. Bow to the past, but not be bound by it. And I listened to that speech in full today, and it really was... An incredible occasion. Uh, To reflect on her passing and her life, I'm delighted to say I'm joined again by a woman from Dundalk. She's recipient of the Freedom of London, British Horse Racing Authority steward, a charity consultant involved with charities in the UK and Ireland and worked closely with Prince Philip and met the Queen. And we spoke, myself and Sheila Bailey, on Monday when Liz Truss was elected Prime Minister. She was received by the Queen at Balmoral and Sheila, I never expected you'd be back with me today. Oh, and neither did I, Jerry. Neither did I. And when you look at that photograph, that last great official photograph of Her Majesty stood there, you know, welcoming Liz Truss, who could believe that 48 hours later she'd be gone? Mm, incredible. Now, when I looked at it and we were watching at home and my daughter was visiting and said to me, oh, Dad, look at the Queen. She is so frail and her hands were a fierce, deep colour. You know, my daughter remarked, I don't think she's too well. Well, I don't think she's been well for a long time. Um, the, the moment I think I realised just how different she looked... And it it was a momentous day, and I was really quite excited about it. And my husband said to me, well, you know, you're sort of really taking this one to heart. On the Queen's official birthday, the 21st, on the Queen's real birthday, 21st of April this year, Mm. my livery company had um, a visit to Sandringham, which we thought would be cancelled because the Queen was actually there. But it went ahead. I was late, nothing new there. And I missed the turning into Sandringham. Now, Sandringham is like being in County Leash, great, you know, expanse of 
countryside. Not many cars, not many houses, but I missed the turning. So I had to go into the next village and turn round and come back. And as I was about to turn right into Sandringham, a black Range Rover approached that was also turning right. And just as I turned in, my brain kicked quickly enough and I put my foot on the brake and it was Her Majesty in the front of a Range Rover. And all I did was incline my head and I got that little smile and I was really quite chuffed because it was her birthday. But it was only as I drove away, I thought, my God, she's tiny. Mm. And she really, really was so depleted is the wrong word. She just was not the woman she had been. Yes. You know? But I knew then she was going down to the stud to see her foals. And she was. That's where she spent the day. What a woman, what a, what a woman for the horses all her life. But that's right, I think when we reflect on it now, I, I think you could say from the time Philip died in 21, because he was with her all the way and we only realised then how important he was to her through her lifetime. I think she failed from them, would that be fair? It would. If you can take your mind back to that um, dinner in the city of London years and years ago, I think it might have been um, her 60th anniversary, and she stood there and she said, Prince Philip has been my strength and stay all these years. The country owes him a debt of gratitude it will never know. And I thought that was really telling then, you know. Mm, really, uh, she made no, she didn't put a tooth in it and she called it as, as it was and that's proved to be about the woman herself and her reign, Sheila, and her consistency. She's always been there. She's been above politics. You know, what can you say about her? She's just been incredible. She's the world's greatest diplomat. She's shaken hands with Robert Mugabe, with Martin McGuinness. She's shaken hands with um, Muhammad Ali. She's anyone. She can deal with any situation. And, you know, when we spoke on Monday, we were talking about some of the divisive language and, you know, the way the media and the public reacted to political situations. But coming in on the tube today, um, the uh, Round Green Park, I have seen thousands of people heading down to Buckingham Palace with their arms full of flowers. And these are people of every race, every colour, every creed, no creed. This is a woman who really did unify this country more than anything she ever said or did could have made a difference in a negative way. And I'm, I certainly plan on walking down to Buckingham Palace after I've spoken to you and putting my little floral tribute there too, because she has made an extraordinary impact on this country and on Britain's reputation worldwide. And, you know, when you talk from an Irish perspective and you can relate to this, you know, she, you, you, we, we have our histories, of course, and she mentioned it when she was in Dublin there, as we heard. But I, I know for a fact that the, the royal family and herself in particular have a huge following in this country and there's a great warmth towards her. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I was, um, I was chief executive of the Ireland Fund of Great Britain when she made that momentous visit to Ireland. And everybody was stunned. Everybody was following the tour. We read everything that the Irish Times and every other Irish newspaper printed. We watched the TV coverage. It was an extraordinary moment. People here see her, I think, for what she is. She's just what she was, sadly. Just somebody who got on with the job. She was handed that job. She didn't apply for it. And she's done a great job of it. And if you... I, I was listening... So carefully, that, that speech that you played at the beginning, it's, it's so emotional. Doesn't she go on to say, with the benefit of hindsight, we all wish things, some things had been done differently and some things had never been done at all? Yes, she does. And, you know, Peter, it's such a, it, it's so apt. You know, of course we do. People look back and think, oh, that should never have happened. But we have to move on, and she helped us to move on. Mm. I, I'll tell you one thing I know from experience growing up. Uh, you wouldn't open your mouth in our house at three o'clock on Christmas Day. <laughs> there was an absolute blanket silence to hang on every word. And, and it, you know, we have people in our family that absolutely wouldn't miss her and hung on every word. That's true. And, and you know, of all the speeches, the Christmas Day speeches she made... I will never forget the one during COVID when her final words were, we will meet again. Mm. And I thought it was, it was so in tune with people who, where families were all separated. 
and people were spending lonely Christmases. You know, it was a really heartwarming, touching message. She really did. She was there. She understood what was going on in people's lives, even though her life was very different to most people. Look at all the crisis she's lived through in the world, in Britain, but in the world as well. And her personal crisis within her family. She had an awful lot to deal with. Of course she did. And she's dealt with it all really well. I can't help feeling that the past couple of years have been very difficult. And you were so right about Prince Philip. You know, he was there by her side. He's probably the one person she could sit and say exactly what she wanted to say to. She didn't have to edit anything. And they've been, they went through a lot together. So yes, she has. Not just, when you think of it, World Wars, Suez, all the incidents with Northern Ireland, everything. And she just tried to do what was the best she could do for everyone. Mm, And then, of course, we remember the death of Diana and the turmoil that caused within the family as well and other personal matters as well, that as a mother and a grandmother, she had to take in her stride and she had to put on that brave face every day. I was just thinking, Sheila, how many hands had she shaked in her lifetime? You know what I mean? Oh, indeed. Can you imagine? And can you imagine all those many receptions and those lines and those um, investitures where you have to sort of go mm. through it and have something original to say? But she did it all. I mean, the rest of us, would we want to do that? I don't think so. No, it's... She, she, she adapted. She was far more in tune with people than I think anyone realised. The Diana situation, that was that was probably... The one time she didn't read the mood of the people, but she was reading what her grandsons needed, and that's what she was trying to deal with. Uh, But I think uh, apart from that, she's always understood what changing times, and she's moved with the times. Charles III, King of England, he's waited a long, long time. He has. And, you know, his love of Ireland, I was just thinking I'd mention it to you, because he's been a frequent visitor here over the years and he loves coming here. And I'm sure it's a possibility that as king, he may make another trip here. Oh, you would certainly hope so. You would certainly hope so. It's more, more important now than ever. Particularly, you know, we were talking on Monday about resolving the protocols. You know, this is a time when he can probably do something to help bridge that divide and make people feel that everybody is being heard. Mm. But it's, 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 it's a, a difficult situation when you've waited for a job all your life, you know, and he's been king and waiting for such a long time. But when I was at home last week, I was over in Killaloo, and we were talking, and none of us had any idea how soon this was going to happen. We were talking about when he would become king. I hope that he remains on the throne as long as William can raise his children. Because the world is changing so quickly now. You know, you look back over 10 years, the world is a different place now. Yes. So I think if they had a chance to raise their children and leave Charles on the throne, I think we'd probably be in very safe hands. And, you know, we'll not see a queen again. And many listening to us today and alive today will never see a queen on the throne because you have Charles now. Of course, William will succeed him, all going well. And then little George is next in line. So at the minute, Sheila, the women are sidelined for the foreseeable future. Well, indeed they are. But, you know, I was thinking when I was out walking the dog this morning, when we last spoke, we had a male prime minister and a female head of state. And now we have a male head of state and a female prime minister. Things move on. Things change very quickly. Very, very quickly. So from here on in, uh, I've been just reading what happens from here. She's going to lie in state. She'll have a state funeral. And really, this is going to go on now for quite a number of days. Ten days. Yeah. And, you know, surprisingly, and and I don't say surprisingly from any uh, point of lack of respect, I'm amazed at the number of shops in London that are closed. Selfridges are shut completely for the day. Uh, as a mark of respect. Um, racing is suspended, you know, and it's the St. Ledger meeting at Doncaster. Racing is suspended today. Um, quite by chance, I'm going to the theatre tonight, the, what we used to call the Tricycle Theatre in Kilburn, heart of Irish London, um, to see Handbagged, which is a play about uh, Lady Thatcher and, and Her Majesty, which is going ahead, but that's probably 
probably a good thing because I think uh, Her Majesty will come out on the winning side there. Mm, certainly, and the Premier League have cancelled all of their fixtures this weekend as well, so all soccer is off. So uh, many of the sporting bodies, she was a great sportswoman anyway herself, are, you know, respecting her, her passing as well. You never, just before you go, Sheila, honestly, like she's been a constant in this world for so many, for decade on decade. You don't expect these days, do you? And so suddenly... That's true. And I think it's made an awful lot of people think back onto the significance of when you lose somebody who's a major part of your life. I mean, there are people in this country who've probably never been within 100 miles of SW1 of Buckingham Palace. But the Queen was their Queen and she was part of their lives. And lots of people feel a real intimate relationship with her. And she has touched all their lives. Mm. You know, she did. She did have the mood of the people. She was yes. brilliant at that. And you, that little uh, glance she gave you, and of course, with your work with Prince Philip, and I'm sure you met her in your in your time as well. I did once. Lovely. Presented once. And you shook yeah. the hand. I did. You're one of she, those handshakes. And there was there were there were horses involved, as you can imagine. Yes. And she wore pink, and she smiled from the minute she arrived to the minute she left. Yeah, I think one of the iconic images, and it's in recent years, and you'd love this, when her horse won at one of the big meetings and the cameras were on her and there was a gentleman beside her. And I don't think I ever saw the Queen lose it, but she was just in ecstasy. That was the day Estimate won the Gold Cup at Royal Ascot. The man sitting with her was John Warren her racing manager. I thought he was going to hug the Queen. He got so excited. I thought, my God, he's going to completely blow protocol here. And when I was at Sandringham on the 21st of April this year, that day I mentioned, John Warren was there to go round the, the folds with the Queen and he had lunch with her. Ah. A very special relationship. Horses were probably her single consistent passion throughout her life. They were indeed. Well, we remember her today and to think of all the people, especially her family and her son, the new king, and everybody who is in mourning closer today across Britain and the world and lots of people in this country as well. Sad, really sad about her mm-hmm. passing. Sheila Bailey, thank you so much for taking our call this afternoon. My pleasure, Jerry. Lovely to talk to you. You too. Take care. That's Sheila Bailey from Dundalk there uh, reflecting on the life and times of Queen Elizabeth II. It's time for this. Great! I love TV. We watch TV. TV! Here we come! TV themes. TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the late lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV! I would like to leave this city. This old town don't smell too pretty And I can feel the warning signs Running around my mind So what do you say You can't give me the dreams of mine anyway Half the world away Yes, the TV theme Today, that's it. Do you know it? Do you know it? It's sort of current. It's topical if you think about things that have been happening in the last 24 hours. And there are lots of nice people all around the place. And one in particular, she's fantastic every Christmas time. She illuminates her home and gardens and donates the money to charity. But there's big talk about this this year with the rise. And what would you talk? Rise. Huge rise in energy costs. Heather Harmon is on the line. Hello, Heather. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show. We, we thought of you because you are a stalwart of this every year. You've raised thousands and thousands and you, your place is beautiful when you light it up. What are you thinking? I'm thinking we'll all have to... Uh, it, it'll all depend now on the November bill. Um, the November bill now will consist of the rise and the two months. Mm. So... We hope to light up, but it mightn't be for as long as other years. Normally, we would light up um, in around the 8th of December until the 6th of January. And there's people coming from everywhere. When are you switching on your lights? When are you switching on your lights? And they're driving by and... 
They love it. Yes. I love Christmas. Mm. And it'll be shocking if you have to curtail it. And there are actually people saying they don't know whether they'd be able to do it at all. I've, I've been reading about them saying, yeah, and they've done this for, for years and years. Is there anything you can do? Or, you know, the way they have these more energy efficient bulbs or anything like that? Or is that a, an option for you? Um, well, we have in, in, in or around um, 120 plugs. Right. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's, they're, they're all connected, you know, yes. A to B to C, and then mm. you've got different switches. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I'd like, um, I'd, I'd like to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just hope we can. Yeah, now that's interesting with you, because you're not just sure yet. As you say, November is going to tell yeah, a lot well, when you get the bill. We, we w- we will light up, but yes. it mightn't just be the full the yeah. full month. Yes, I understand. You may curtail the the the, the, yes. the, the length yes. of the of the display. The time, you know, and yeah. uh, specify times on at the outside of the house so people know. Yeah. That yeah. it will be lit from such and such a time to such and such a time, and. Yeah, I think, everyone will be happy. Yeah, I think that's something that people can certainly live with. But it would be a terror to to lose the tradition there. How long are you at this? This will be the fourth year now for charity. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. charity. It's mm-hmm. uh, so sad we do it for. I know that. I know that. And you raise a lot of money for them. And, you know, when you say that tomorrow is World Suicide Prevention Day, and we're talking about it a little later on in the show as well, and so sad do wonderful work in that whole area. Indeed. Yeah, now I know you were lighting the house before that, but you picked a charity and you go it, and people have been very generous to you. So, look, I just wanted to touch base with you because you're one of the most well known here in the Northeast. And so it's not ruled out you're, you're going to do it's something it's not ruled out it's not ruled out no that's great to hear so for Heather Harmon fans and tell them again where you are just pinpoint we're the... in Salterstown Hill yeah. and it's at the end of the road from Dillonstown Chapel yep or if you're coming from uh, Toher uh, you keep going on till you come to the top of the hill the Air code is A92P957. Lovely. Well, we'll be given... And um, I'll be in contact with you before that to let you know if we're doing it or not. You're so welcome and we'd be delighted to help you with publicity for sure, Heather. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 That's Heather Hammond there. And a lot of people in that boat as well with the illumination of lights, it has to be said. So there you are. She hasn't ruled it out. She's going to do something, isn't she? But when those bills hit, it's going to be a fair wake-up call for all of us, for absolutely everybody. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And on Friday, don't we always have a laugh? We do. We do. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? <laughs> comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. Today, it's the It Crowd. It This programme has a cult following. It really has. It aired on Channel 4 for four series of six shows. And it starred uh, Chris O'Dowd, the Irish actor, Richard Ayawadi, Catherine Parkinson and Matt Berry. And it was directed by our own wonderful Graham Lenehan. And today, we have a listen in. We drop in to the IT crowd. And you know what? I just wonder, is it like this when you ring up places and seek help with your IT problems? Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? (laughs) Okay, well, the button on the side, is it glowing? Yeah, you need to turn it on. (laughs) Um, The button turns it on? Yeah. You, you, You do know how a button works, don't you? No, not on clothes. Hello, IT. <laughs> Yaha. Have you tried forcing an unexpected reboot? No, no, there you go. No, there you go. I just heard it come on. No, no, that's the music you hear when it comes on. No, that's the music you hear when it... I'm sorry, are you from the past? 
see the driver hooks a function by patching the system call table, so it's not safe to unload it unless another thread's about to jump in there and do its stuff, and you don't want to end up in the middle of invalid memory. <laughs> Hello? Oh, really? Ray, well, why don't you come down here and make me then? Huh? What, you think I'm afraid of you? I'm not afraid of you! You can come down here any time and I'll be waiting for you. I told her. <laughs> oh, God, it's about time you got back. It's been all go. You had a job? Girl on fifth. Did you and her hit it off? Define hit it off? <laughs> Did she continue talking to you once you'd fixed her computer? <laughs> no. Someone told me I need a browser on my computer. Could you install one, please? You don't have a browser on your computer? What is... What does that sound? Is that coming from your laptop? It's not supposed to sound... What the... What's all that crap? How long has that been? I haven't seen that one since the 90s. Oh, Jess, I have to fix this. No, no, leave it. I have it how I like it. How you like it? No, 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 Jen, it's infected. If this was a human being, I'd shoot it in the face. I just want you to install a browser. That's the browser there. Look at it, that's the browser. Internet Explorer is a browser. Behind the picture of the lady. The lady's not supposed to be there. Uh, she's only there sometimes. But what? what's about the, the E? But that's a button for the internet, Roy. I the don't... button for the internet? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, shut up. I'm not a stupid geeky geek. Jen, <laughs> uh, you don't need to be a geek to know that you need a browser to access the internet. Yes, you do. Because as soon as you know something like that, it pushes out something important. And before you know it, you're painting little figurines from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> You know what, Jen? Do whatever you want. I don't care. You want to walk around with a laptop from The Exorcist? That's just fine. It's not my problem. Our time is too valuable. <laughs> that sounds like your IT support. <laughs> is that what really happened? <laughs> Simply brilliant. Yes, the it crowd, uh, your comedy. Tomorrow is a World Prevention of Suicide Day. It's a very special day every year, and a light is shone on this Oh, what can you call it? This scourge that uh, affects communities up and down the country. And uh, it is really important every year to highlight this issue. And my next guest is somebody whose daughter died by suicide, but she's used that loss to try and make life better for all of us going forward because... Her name was Nicole Fox, better known as Coco, and her mother has campaigned for Coco's law to be enacted to deal with the whole area of online bullying. And it is on the statute books now, and her name is and will be forever. And I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch today her mum, Jackie Fox. Hello again, Jackie. Hi, how are you? Nice Nice to talk to you again. And you too. And we wanted to just talk to you again on this special day, just to reflect on the law. It was a long campaign, but it's there now forevermore. You must be so proud. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a tough, a tough battle while um, trying to campaign and grieving. I suppose at the same time, it's a, you know, a lot of it. I'm to be honest, it, it, it's a blur. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, I am. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm proud of the fact that. Um, yeah, of course, the law's in, and I'm so proud that um, I have Nicole's legacy. That was so important to me as well. Um, so yeah, just such a long battle. Such a battle, and you yeah. stuck with it all the way, and eventually, it, it yeah. is there now. As I say, forevermore on the statute yeah. books. Just to go back to to her situation, and like to, to tell listeners that. Really, you know, your daughter, she was the victim of bullying, physical, but especially online. And you have been quoted in the past as saying that you thought the online bullying was relentless and worse than the physical bullying, if you could say that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, with the... With the physical um, abuse, they, it was from her so-called friends who, um, you know, eventually admitted in, in Texas uh, that it was just because of jealousy. And um, these people, they burnt her with cigarette butts and they burnt her with corn and tongues uh, when they were doing her hair one night. They pushed her so hard into a corner of the table, they dislocated her hip and um, they dragged her down um, a metal flight of stairs uh, by the hair. They beat her up any any chance they could get. And that that 
was horrendous. We went to the guards about it and Nicole was terrified to give a statement because um, she said, look what they're doing to me now, ma'am. And, you know, if I, if I make a statement, they'll kill me. And Nicole took an overdose in 2015. And I thought that was myself and Nicole's worst nightmare, you know, um, because of the, the, the physical abuse. And she just couldn't take it. She was never a bully, you know, and, and did, we didn't know how to handle it. And it wasn't, um, they weren't happy with the, the, the physical abuse um, because Nicole still went out with uh, a fake smile on her face, if you like, you know, that pretending that mm. I'm okay and, and um, yeah, they went online then, and you know they they annihilated her online, and every day they told her to you know hang yourself and slit your wrist, and everyone hates you, and they sent her videos of a noose on how to hang yourself, and made up fake um fake pages and you know stories and WhatsApp, and it was the 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 physical abuse was was awful, horrendous, but the 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 online abuse. Uh, you know, that got deeper and deeper and deeper into her head where it just, you know, from my bubbly, funny, beautiful um, little girl, you know, it just took took away her, her smile, her confidence, her laugh and um, her life. And and that day when, when it all happened and it came upon your family, you were only gone from an hour, for an hour, I know, from the house. I remember you telling me this yeah. before. And yeah. and when you came back, it was too late, really. Did you suspect, I want to come back to that again, that something awful was going to happen at that time? Yes. Yeah. Um, not at that time. I mm. did, you know, I... Because um, of the, the, the online abuse, or the, the physical abuse, Nicole did take the, the, the overdose in 2015 because she couldn't take it, you know, because things were too much. I knew, I thought when Nicole had taken the overdose that things would settle back, you know, that they'd back off a bit, you know, and they didn't. It got worse and worse. They actually loved the fact they, 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 they it was like a trophy they were claiming on who Nicole, or who hurt Nicole the most. So I knew the way Nicole was sinking deeper and deeper, I knew that day was going to happen. I didn't know when, I didn't know how it was going to happen, and I didn't know where, but I knew the way they dragged her down that um, that uh, Nicole wasn't going to be able to cope uh, much longer. Um, no matter what the, the help we tried to get her, with building her up, everything, it, it was just, it got too far with the, with, with the, the especially the, the online abuse where, you know, where mm. it, when it gets into your head, you know, yes. it's so hard to get back out. But I knew, you know, I always had that sickening, gut-wrenching feeling in your stomach that they're going to get her, they're going to take her. And Nicole didn't want to die. You know, she was such a beautiful, funny, lively, bubbly girl. Um, and I, I'll always say, Jerry, she didn't take her own life. They took her from her. Mm. But, yeah, I, I you know... As a mom, I don't know. Uh, I just knew, I knew they were going to take her away from me. But still, on that day, on the, the 18th of January, nothing, nothing co- uh, prepared for when myself and Nicole's 14-year-old brother then, um, when we walked into the hall. You know, you could never be be prepared for anything like that, you know. And you did all you could. As you said, you tried to build her up. You were by her side. You yeah. did everything possible, and yet, yet it couldn't ke- keep her with you and in this life with us. Today, I talk about this because this is one aspect of suicide, and as you say, she was driven to it. You know, this would never have happened, but for yeah. other people, drove her there physically first, and then mentally, of course. And you know, the law now, this new law, Coco's law, this is enacted to to deal with this scenario because nobody has ever paid a price for this. Nobody. Not for Nicole's. Well, no, they didn't because no. um, because there was no legislation. There wasn't yes. a criminal offence in Ireland to annihilate, torture, drag someone down. So you you could do that to anyone, and there was no there was nothing there to protect. Not only the vulnerable or the shy, or you know, it happens to strong people as well in more cases. You know, and there was nothing nothing there to to protect them. But but um, but now um. Yet yeah, now under under Coco's law, um, it is a criminal offence to um, 
to annihilate or torture or distress someone or um, cause someone to self-harm or even worse, to take their own life. And as we speak today, Jerry, um, there is three people in prison right now as we speak under under um, Coco's Law, sent to prison um, under Coco's Law. And um, not only is it um, online abuse um you know, dragging people down is um, a huge thing, which, thank God, um, this didn't affect Nicole. It was nothing got to do with Nicole, but they also put um, intimate images um, into Coco's Law, where, you know, mm. you know, sharing intimate images about people, uh, you know, um, without their consent. And that, yes. that wasn't a law either. But now, um, now that's a law. You cannot share um, any images um online or offline um, of anyone without their consent now. And, you know, there is real strict, uh, strict penalties for, for, for stuff like that as well. So It just shows you. It just shows you what one woman, you, yeah. as Nicole's mother, determined yeah. to change and effect change has achieved. It's a marvellous, marvellous testament to you and to Nicole's memory as well with yeah. this law and when you mention that people are paying the price now rightly so for this and uh, that extra incorporation of those images thing is so so important indeed and you as one woman have made a real difference to all of our lives well done to you Jackie oh thank you and can can I just say really quick Jerry as yep. well um, just because Coco's law came, came in it d- didn't mean that I didn't mean that. I, I haven't still continued um, to work for it. Um, I go into to schools, uh, myself and another guy, Gary Cunningham, we go into schools, colleges, community centres, you reach, football clubs, um, workplaces, everywhere we can get to talk. Um, I talk about who Nicole is. I don't like saying was because I still think she's with me, you know, and yes. she, you know, I always say who Nicole is. Um, you know, where things, where it all went wrong, the devastating effects of suicide and then the consequences of um, people's actions when they think it's okay to drag someone down. So, um, yeah, if, if I, I, you know, I'm constantly, constantly in, in schools and places like that. So um, um, if anyone wants, to, wants to, to, to have me into their workplace or schools or anything, um, they can contact me on... Um, at jackiefenlon at gmail.com or cocoslaw at gmail.com cocoslaw at gmail.com if you want to get in yeah. touch with uh, Jackie and she yeah. be happy to pay yeah. a visit to wherever you are and if you feel it would benefit and it does benefit so many yeah. people it's oh, definitely. great to think that you're on the ground right at the coal face there and I know Nicole is sitting on that shoulder of yours every yeah. time you do yeah. that. She certainly is. Jackie, yeah. you're fantastic. It's lovely to catch up with you again today. And I wish yeah. you well with your work. Thank you so much for, for, for having me on today. Thank you. Take care, Jackie. Bye bye. That's Jackie Fox there. Mum of Nicole Coco Fox and Coco's Law is there now forever. You're at Late Lunch. I'm truly delighted to welcome my next guest back to studio. He's a very good friend of ours on Late Lunch and he is the CEO of NGO Development Perspectives, Bobby McCormick. It's been too long. Indeed, but <laughs> delighted to be back. And delighted to have you with us as well. Well, you big news, new premises for yourselves. Where are you moving to? Yeah, we're delighted. We moved down to what locals would know as the Sunshine Bar in Drogheda. For those that are not familiar, it's very close to the Boyne, metres away from the Boyne on the North Quay in Drogheda. And what does this mean to uh, secure this premises? You have a lease on it now as well. Is it important to you? A big time. I mean, one of the things we've been trying to do for a long time is to have a space that has a shop front that has signage. Because too often, I suppose, people may not have been aware of what it was we did and where we were based. But we're very proud to be still based in Drogheda. We were on the go since 2006. But not as many people would know about us. And that's partially, I think, due to a lack of visibility locally, physically. So we're going to be hosting lots of events in that building. We're going to be having lots of workshops in that building. So we're looking forward to having friends and family and allies from all across the northeast visit us and, and join us for, for the events ahead. In a nutshell, if you can for me, and I know you will, just uh, crystallise what Development Perspectives is about for listeners who may not be familiar, as you say, with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we try to do in a nutshell, Jerry, is to 
tackle the issues that are facing communities, whether that be in Drogheda, Ireland or, you know, across the world. So things like poverty, inequality, climate and um, violence, you know, gangland criminality. These are all things that we're very interested in, in tackling the root causes of them. So we do that through education. So education is what we specialise in. And so we, we work with different groups all the time on a regular basis. We have workshops and events every day. It's a lot and, and, and it's so important to get to the root of the matter because what happens are symptoms of that lack of education as well and, and understanding what's at the root cause of it. So look, we could cover a gambit here which is today, but let me talk to you about a few things. Where you are there actually, and I know where the building is now, I was trying to figure out, I got the pictures of it. We were talking about this earlier in the week. It must be outside one of your windows where that um, old wreck of a, uh, is it the old dredger slipped into the River Boyne uh, earlier in the week? It did, yeah. I, I think, you're, you're, you know, slipped unfortunately though isn't a, a great description of what had happened it's neglect and it's dereliction over a long period of time but but for sure we're metres away from that boat the, the Hevel Sand um, and unfortunately like the Boyne swim is on tomorrow 250 people are going to be swimming past it I don't think they designed it originally as an obstacle course but that's what it's going to be um, and I think it's a real symptom of, of our neglect of things like treasures such as the Boyne itself and of course, it's going to take time now to rectify this. It, it's been lying there for years and years. And, you know, who owns it? Who's responsible? You know, the usual type of stuff on all those questions. But at the end of the day, it's a bit of a disaster now. And I'm sure the, the seepage from that vessel. You can see the pollution in the can river. You? I mean, you can. it's very clear. Any of your listeners that want to go down to the North Key and Drogheda and look, you know, metres in any direction of the boat and you can see what's coming out of it. That is not good for sure. And on a bigger, on a wider sense on the Boyne, there's a, a lot of debate going on about Dawn Meat's proposal to put this pipeline in where they discharge. And they've said to us as well that it's going to be perfectly clean water, that it's uh, acceptable standard, fully acceptable environmentally, won't do any harm to anything. What about that? I know you have an interest in that as well. Yeah, I mean, Development Perspectives is a strong supporter of the Save the Boyne campaign. And I think it's important, again, for your listeners to know that the EPA, which looks at water quality in Ireland, identified the Boyne as one of the nine worst polluted rivers in the country. That was back in 2019. And the trend has been downward since. You know, we don't treat the Boyne well. We're, we're treating as a as a receptacle of waste. And for me and development perspectives, that's simply not good enough. We need to change our attitude, I think, to how we manage waste, how we treat our natural resources. And to go back to the point of the Hevel Sand, that's a symbolic, I think, for me, kind of 3D image of what we're doing to the river. We're killing it and we're killing it slowly but purposefully. And we've been doing it for a long time and the water quality is getting worse. And, and I think that when you think of, of Don Meats, and of course they have every right to, to apply for planning, but of course the likes of Mead County Council and Board Planola have a different set of incentives. So I think that their incentives need to be weighed up much more in the broader picture and for the long term. Are they there to try and facilitate a private interest or are they there for the longer term good and welfare of the region that we live in and call home? For me, I know which side of the argument I'm on. And, you know, I'm familiar with that water course myself. I've spent many a fine day on it. I've loved the angling on it. I've been on the water and uh, vessels as well from time to time. And, and I know the resource it is from source to sea. And it flows through an awful lot of this northeast region that we live in. Will the penny ever drop? Because I despair at times with the waterways of Ireland, not just the Boyne, the great lakes we have, and you hear of water being, you can't drink the water from there, it has to be boiled, take the carob in, in the west of Ireland, where you think, you know, wild west of Ireland, and yet there's a huge lake in potential trouble as well. Where, where does somebody finally say enough is enough or when? Well, I think that goes back to the point about the planning uh, situation. I think we've got to say enough's enough. I think we've got to look at best practice in other countries and say the way that we treat the natural world in Ireland is an outlier. And to recognise that and to say it can be done differently and we can rectify the water quality quite easily if we follow good practice that exists in many of our neighbours across the EU. I mean, we were in Germany earlier on in the year and to, to see and compare the, the, how they treat water is just, you know, night and day. So I think we need to do much more of what we know works and much less of what we know damages. And, you know, I can verify as an angler that the water quality is deteriorating in all the great waterways. No matter what we say, Bobby, I like to think that we're the greenest island and, and the cleanest, but 
no, it's not the case. And I know that from personal experience. Mm. Now, energy, <laughs> you knew I was going to bring this up today because this is another uh, huge issue in Ireland and in the world. And with you dealing, you deal in Africa as well. Mm. You know, the grain from Ukraine, right? There are some ships getting out now. Let's talk about starvation out there because of th- this war. Bobby, do you never just despair at times? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, wasn't it Arnie in Terminator 2 said that like humans, we we have this kind of like self-destruct button. But for every kind of like person, I suppose, that thinks that, I think that of of the examples of people who are doing the best and doing wonderful things in our communities, I couldn't help but listen into your last piece. And, and, you know, I think that that illustrates, you know, what active citizenship can do. Um, You know, we've got like the Boyne Swim tomorrow, as I previously mentioned, that's set up by volunteers to do something really positive. Positive. And that's just at a micro level. We, we've got Irish NGOs working all across the work very all across the world very hard. You know, dealing with floods in Pakistan, dealing with famine in Yemen, dealing with what's you know unfolding before our eyes in Ukraine. And I think that we need to maybe I think look at what they're telling us and you know really celebrate their efforts more because you you can get lost in the darkness of all of this, or you can try to look to the light. And I think for our own self preservation, we we need to look at the good stories not just because creatively avoid the bad stuff but that's where optimism comes from that's where hope comes from and and I think there's an awful lot of really great uh, people doing wonderful stuff not just across the North East but across the country Energy will come into focus very soon for us as uh, the winter kicks in and it does get cold and people need to heat their homes etc we did especially if you remember here on the show with you mm. on this whole environmental matter a few years back and you led it for us with many other fine guests as well has the boat sailed is it too late I, I don't think it's it's ever too late to do the right thing but we need to really take drastic action now you know we really need to take seriously what's unfolding before our eyes the the climate catastrophe is happening in real time and it's having effects in many different parts of the world it, what's happening I think around the energy side of things I think too often we're pointing to Ukraine as the singular reason for this it's it's a bit of creative avoidance on the behalf of some policymakers that like we've known for a long time relying on fossil fuels that come from dictatorships is a really bad idea from an energy security point of view Ireland has natural resources we have wind we have solar we should have and could have done far more 15, 20 years ago we've got to take it much more seriously and move away from what we know is damaging. Um, I mean, not just from an energy security point of view, but from a climate point of view, it it really is a no-brainer. We've got to develop far more onshore, offshore wind. We've got to really shift what we're doing. And and it's, it's bizarre to think that, like, it's solely got to do with Ukraine. I mean, just to give one example of why it's not. At the moment, the EU and and the United States still has energy embargoes on Iran and Venezuela. So we're not really harvesting, even if we wanted to, the oil and the gas that is there. So Iran is the second biggest gas exporter in the world. So why can't we use more of that gas? It doesn't really get much airtime in, in kind of general media circles. And and that's a political decision that the EU are still treating Iran as if they're a rogue state simply because they want to develop other types of technology that many countries have, like nuclear energy. Mm. And of course, there is the argument, well, maybe they want to develop nuclear weapons. Well, UK has nuclear weapons, France has nuclear weapons. So I think this is this is a very complex area and too often Ukraine is pointed to as the sole reason why we've got this crisis. It's far more complex than that. When you mention nuclear, where do you stand on, say we had one nuclear station in this country mm. and one nuclear station would deal a lot with our, our power issue for certain. That's a, a, a electricity generation. Have you a view on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we do have lots of options and nuclear is one of them. Personally, I think that renewable is the way to go. I, I think that there's too much evidence stacking up on why we should be using wind and solar far more. I, yes, nuclear doesn't have the carbon side effects and all of that that, you know, fossil fuels do. But but in the longer term, it carries risks as well that, you know, who knows what happens in 30, 40 years time? Can we store some of the waste? I mean, we, we talked earlier on about boat that's sinking in the bind. Sometimes, you know, our foresight of these things is 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 not really that good. So for me, it would be much more invest in wind and solar. In the long run, I think it reaps rewards and it's far cleaner. Immediately, listeners are 
engaged with us here today and they're thinking, okay, fair enough. But what do we do in October, November, yeah. December, January coming? It's a very good point. You know, it's a, it's a really important uh, opportunity, I think, and challenge. I mean, one is that if you look not just at the energy generation, but where energy is being used, like what planner thought it was a good idea to give the data centres the go ahead when we knew right well that the capacity wasn't there? It's just stupidity of the highest order. And you've got like, county councils across the country continuing to give planning, knowing right well we don't have the capacity within the grid to handle this. It just doesn't make sense. So your listeners should be angry because where a lot of the energy that we are generating is going is towards things that we really don't need that much of. To go back to the point of though, like what can your listeners kind of expect? I think our government really need to look at a whole suite of measures around energy and and trying to create a safety net for people. I I don't think the government uh, are taking this seriously enough. I think they really need to look at, you know, putting ceilings on energy costs like is happening in other countries. It's not, again, the first time ever someone has suggested that. Spain and France have acted on this weeks ago. Uh, The UK are even ahead in terms of what they're planning and how they're planning to deal with it. So so I would say that we really need to stop the possibility of, of, you know, exponential rises to our energy bills, which which will happen if we let the free market run. Uh, we can't afford to let the free market run. People have been true enough in the last couple of years. Another winter of people worrying what bills are going to come through the door isn't isn't good enough. No, it certainly isn't. And w- well said there. You make some really valid points in, in what you say. So a lot going on with DP uh, and what about yourself and, and, and you're the people who work for you? Are you always looking for support volunteers? Well, completely. I mean, we, we have a wonderful documentary coming up on the 28th of September and it's it's done with Troker and it's called to um, Mind Your Business, essentially. And, and we'd encourage people, if they're interested, to go to our website and you know book a ticket if they wish. But we have loads of workshops for people who don't know our work. Go to, to the website, developingperspectives.ie. There's a whole suite of opportunities that are there that people can kind of tune into and we would love to have more involvement our work is based on active citizens so the more people that take an interest in this kind of stuff the better Bobby it's been a pleasure thank you so much for joining us today really enjoyed our chat cheers Jerry. thank you I reckon Creedence Clearwater Revival never visited Ireland. Have you ever seen the rain in the name of Jesus? <laughs> Will it ever end? It started now and it'll never stop. Oh, Lord Almighty, I had to smile listening to that song. Coming up after three on late lunch, I conclude my week of Mr. Gilbert O'Sullivan, my artist of the week, with a lovely song. I think it's my favourite of his. And for the first time on late lunch, we have something brand new. Yes, this is coming up after three. It's Sport with Louise, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. It's Sport with Louise, but not as we know it. It's Sport with Louise. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio, our TV team. Let's have a listen once more. I would like to leave this city This old town don't smell too pretty And I can feel the worn inside Running around my mind So what do you say You can't give me the dreams in your mind anyway Yeah, I said to you it was topical. That is the theme from the Royal Family Classic Comedy. Audrey Quinn, well done to you. We have a, a lovely gift on its way to you in the post as I speak. And thanks to everybody who joined in the fun. Most of you getting it right today. Well done to one and all. Time to wrap up this, this week on Lake Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Gilbert O'Sullivan it is of course this week and following Gilbert's unprecedented successes in the 70s his final big hit was the 1980 single What's in a Kiss after which he more or less disappeared from view apart from a couple of compilation albums in the 90s and noughties that did very well for him it has to be said. He did play Glastonbury in 2008 and went down really well and 
to today, right up to this present day. He's big in Japan. You know that song, Big in Japan? It's about Gilbert O'Sullivan. He's big over there for sure. He continues, I have to say, to record and release new music. And he performs too. I was mentioning he was in Kilkenny earlier in the week. And that's from time to time. In 2018, his 19th studio album entered the UK charts at number 20. The first to do so in 40 years. You see, he still has it. And in July, just gone by, this July 2022, his 20th LP appeared. It's called Driving, and it too made the charts and has been so warmly received. Gilbert is married, did you know that? He has two grown-up daughters and lives in Jersey. So let's go back to 1980 and probably his favourite song of mine. Lovely number, here it is. Just a moment of bliss Tell me what's in a kiss It's in a kiss I'm rocking away from side to side here in the chair I just love that To clarify, that's Gilbert's favourite song of mine on late lunch this afternoon to finish off a week of The Great Man. I'd love to see him. I'd actually love to see him in concert. He's just terrific and he's a wonderful repertoire. That may happen. That may happen. Believe you me. Anyway, up next on Late Lunch, it's sport, but not as you know it. Stay with us. It's sport with Louise, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. It's sport with Louise, but not as we know it. It's sport with Louise. Brace this is yourselves. such a bad idea. <laughs> Brace yourselves because it is time for sport as usual this Friday on Late Lunch but it's a role reversal today. I am the David Sheehan of today and Louise is taking on my role <laughs> as the <laughs> presenter and interviewer. Right, what have you for me first? Go on. Okay, soccer. First of all, yes. tonight, League of Ireland. Yes, two games tonight, Louise, in the League of Ireland. I'll be at one of them. I'm going up with uh, Ava to see Drogheda this evening. Drogheda United plays St. Pat's Athletic on the Windmill Road tonight. Uh, St. Pat's are going for a European place. Do you know what a European place is? They're yes. trying to qualify for Europe okay. for next year in the league. Drogheda are just trying to stay in the league, not be relegated. And they're oh. two, they're just above the playoff place. So it's an important game for both of them tonight. And... Uh, They've met a few times already this year. Pats hold the upper hand, but I'd be hopeful Drogheda Louise might get a point tonight, that they'd get a draw. You're biased, are you? Um, mm. I'm normally pessimistic. I, sh- <laughs> I should be saying that Pats will win, but Drogheda are good at home and they really fight for everything at home, especially at home in the in the league. And I, I, I think tonight they're well capable if they're up for it and play to their best to take a point from Pats this evening. So I'll go with a draw. Okay. And, okay. It, and what will that mean for St. Pats? In uh, well, they'd be disappointed. They'd hope to come here and get three points, you know, yeah. and push on for that European place. And then there's another game tonight. Uh, Dundalk are playing UCD. Dundalk are away from home tonight. UCD are at home in the Belfield Bowl in UCD University. And Dundalk, if they win, if Dundalk win tonight, they go level with Shamrock Rovers at the top of the table. So it's a big night for them. Okay. And UCD are the bottom team in the league. So Drogheda fans for once will be hoping that Dundalk win <laughs> and, and beat the UCD and keep them down there. Do you understand? Have you got right. that? Yes, I have it. I are, have you, it. are you happy yeah. with that? Anything else? No, there's nothing else to talk about. How about many those. teams are in the league of Ireland? Ten in the Premier Division and nine at the moment in the second division. There'll be ten again next year. Kerry are coming in with a team. So ten, oh, ten okay. teams. Yeah, ten. And is Louth one of the few counties probably outside Dublin that have more than one? Correct. Have they? Correct. Yeah. It, it's the only one Well, or well one Dublin, if you take Dublin yeah, as the outside city. Dublin. Outside of Dublin, Louth, yes, two League of Ireland teams and in the Premier Division at the minute in the League of Ireland is unprecedented. How did that happen? It's, Louth's a great soccer county. <laughs> it's mad soccer. Now, I know Gaelic is big in it's it as strange, well. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, you know, well, very... I suppose it's to do with... Dundalk have been in football from the very start. Drogheda came into the League of Ireland in the 60s, but Drogheda is a garrison town. You know, it, 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 the English were garrisoned here and that, and soccer that's was it, big in the county, right. and I'd say that's why there's two of them there. OK, because there's none in Mead, so there isn't. <laughs> there's none in Mead, no. is right, yeah. There's no team in Mead in the League of Ireland. I do find the offside rule very hard to do you? grasp. Yeah, I can't do it. Well... Well, I give you a little tiny explanation. Offside is where an attacking player 
is beyond the last defender. So mm-hmm. you know that there's four defenders, left yeah. back, right back and the two centre halves. Mm-hmm. When the ball is kicked in there, if the attacking player is ahead of the last defender, you know, ahead of him, by even by even a toenail now with VAR, that is offside. Okay, well, uh, uh, you mean the bar? VAR, what? VAR. Okay, is that the soccer equivalent of the GAA if you get the ball over the net? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's VAR? VAR is video analysis refereeing, where oh, you know there's okay. a fellow, another referee, oh, along with the officials yeah. on the pitch, looking at replays in critical incidents in a game. Say a penalty is given, or a red card, or something mm-hmm. like that. Now there's fierce controversy about it at the moment, but we don't have VAR in the League of Ireland. Just to reassure okay, you. Okay, so there's more pressure on the ref. There's more pressure on the referee and in the League in the of Ireland. And, and no, I don't understand what you have to tell me at all. <laughs> Well, stick with it. You'll learn after watching thousands of games like I have. Then you'll, it, the penny will, will finally drop. But we don't have VAR. We can't afford it in the League of Ireland at the minute. It's just not there. Instead, you have the spectators shouting. Now, by the way, back to the Dundalk City game. I expect Dundalk to win. Three points. Last time they were up there was a draw match, actually. But I expect them to win tonight. Offside and VAR. There you go. Let's go. What's next? What have you next in your list? GAA. There's not a lot of pictures yeah, on not this weekend. Not a lot this weekend. Cancelled, a lot cancelled overseas. Yeah. So we have the Mead Senior Hurling Championship quarterfinals. Yes. Now, uh, we have. So the first one is on Saturday, tomorrow at half five in Park Talton, Retolt against Kaline. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and just a little bit of information there. Retoat last won the hurling title in Mead in 1963. <gasps> I, I was oh. two when they last won. So Retoat are due a title, aren't they, Louise? Yes. Come on, Kaline, well, different story. Uh, they won their last title in 2005. So, you know. Oh, um, they're both, yeah. Yeah, we're, it's, we're, a while, it's a while since Kaline won. It's favourite. Um, David Sheen, I'm sure, mentioned that Retoat this year was to watch out for right, you know okay. to watch out for them and nothing against Kaline but you know made the best man win there it's a while as you said since Kaline won it as well so we're well, it'll be exciting Ka- for both of them it will it, it will it'll be both, a tight yeah. enough game so we'll, we'll go retote in that one there I'll okay. go retote to see how that one and then on Sunday the big one at Park Talton the second quarter final in Mead half three Park Talton the big guns in Mead the big guns in Harland Kildaki oh, taking on Kilmessen I can tell you Kilmessen hold more senior titles than me than anybody else they've won it 29 times last what? time but the last time's a while ago 2013 and Kildaki are the champions yeah. Kildaki are the champions at the minute so we'll go with Kildaki because my granny was from Kildaki <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very scientific yeah. way of actually <laughs> predicting games. I, I think that could be now a first <laughs> because Louise's granny is on, the Hessens. <laughs> Kildaki. We're tipping on late lunch Kildaki to get the better of Kilmessen on Sunday. <laughs> Told you it was a bad idea. Hit that stab again. Have you got it? <laughs> <laughs> But it is a great game, hurling. It is a great game. And there isn't that many, um, like me, that aren't mad hurling county. Good woman yourself. Yeah, Mm. they're they're not in the, you know, the top echelons, but they have a very good and very strong hurling tradition as well. And the championship is great over there. So lots of sport this weekend and all those games featured on LMFM radio and this evening reminding you, Drogheda and Dundalk's game, lmfm.ie, live if you're not going along to the fixtures. I think she's done very well. (laughs) Through the bus. Apologies to everybody out there that actually follows sport. (laughs) It's sport, Louise, but not as we know it. (laughs) Well done to you. Anyway, she'll be back again next week because David's away again, so you'll have to do it all one more time at least. (laughs) And I'll have more next week. No pressure. Anyway, for all those uh, who are listening to us today, thank you for your company on the show every week to our listeners. Thanks to our guests who joined us and Joe and Louise. Thanks a million to you. I could not do late lunch without you. I promise you, folks, I couldn't. Anyway, for all those heading to Croke Park to one of the Garth Brook concerts this weekend starting this evening we leave you in the company of the great man enjoy Eddie Caffrey's coming next here on LMFM Radio with The Drive and please God we'll see you Monday 1.30 for your late lunch bye We call them cool Those hearts that have no scars to show the ones that never do let go And risk the tables be turned 
We call them fools who have to dance within the flame. Who chances sorrow and the shame that always comes with care? LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 4237. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.